We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. How many of you know Jesus paid it all? Amen. All to him I owe. Amen. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. That's a beautiful song. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> it's a beautiful song. But what do you do when you know that song to be true, but yet your life doesn't match up with you know what that song is? Jesus paid it all. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he had washed it white as snow. Okay, I get that. Now what? Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, okay, I've already repented of my sins. I feel like my name's written in the book of life. I'm going to heaven one day. It's gonna happen. I don't know when that's gonna be. Between now and the day the Lord decides to either come back or take me on. I know that's coming. But what in the world do I do now to have to keep reminding myself that Jesus paid it all? Do I have to keep going back to those same songs or same lessons or same learning styles I have but way in the back? Do I have to go back and say, well, yeah, he paid it all. He paid, I have to keep reminding myself of that. What do you do, how do you do when you're making decisions of life and sometimes the decisions that you make in life aren't the decisions that you wish you would have made and you would like to go back and redo and redo and have an, a, a do-over but life doesn't afford you to redo or do-over. Those decisions that you made create consequences or, or results or fruit of those decisions, and now you're living in this thing going, oh my God, what am I doing? Maybe they're good decisions that have just, you haven't, you know, maybe a, a lack of a decision, or maybe you're going, I made some bad decisions, and here I am right now thinking, oh God, what do I do? How do I, how, you know, okay, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Well, you can sing that song till you're blue in the face, but unless you learn, unless I learn, unless we learn, to have two foundational truths that I think are real, very foundational in our life today. The anchors, I call them anchors or pillars of faith. There's two of them that I know of. There's probably many more. But you better know two things. Not only that Jesus paid it all. High five, Jesus. Thank you for doing that. We didn't ask you to, but you did it anyway. You've, you've forgiven our sins, and now the sin doesn't have that, that filth and stain on me anymore. You've washed me white as snow. Now I'm coming up from the altar and coming up from that revelation, understanding that you're, I'm clean. Now, how do I live this life? Two things. You better know, number one, God is good every day. Amen. You have to know God is good. If you think God is not good and you start letting your circumstances around you line up or determine your truths, God is good. If your circumstances begin to speak louder than God is good in your life, you become suspect of God. You begin to wonder, God, what are you doing? Are you trying to teach me a lesson? Is something going wrong? Are you starting to introspectively look at your life all the time, just covering uncovering flesh over and over again? Or, or, or no, God is good even when you make good decisions and God is good even when you make bad ones. His goodness does not, is not determined by your goodness. His goodness is within himself, right? That's a, gotta be a pillar of faith, a confidence. You've got to know that. God is good. So when the world is falling apart or things are not happening at the speed and the, 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 the time frame that you believe they should happen, you have to know God is good, yeah. period. The second thing you have to know is you can trust him. Even when a curveball comes thrown at you, even when you're getting tired and weary, 
even when circumstances are drawing you into a place that you didn't know you were even gonna be 10 years, from, 10 years ago, and here you are. You thought they'd live forever. You didn't know they were gonna get sick and you have to take care of them. You didn't know that he was gonna go wayward or she was gonna go out of her loser mind. You didn't know all those things were gonna happen, but they happened. And rather than go back and say, gosh, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, you have to come up with it. God is good and I can trust him. I can trust him when I can't see him. I can trust him when I can't trace his hand. I can trust him to look for me when I don't even know how to look out for myself. When I'm tired, I can trust him. When I'm strong, I can still trust him. You don't just trust in your strength, you can trust in your weakness. Because in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. First Samuel chapter 24, David was anointed king on the backside of the, the field, called in by, by Samuel. And as God had called him in by Samuel the prophet, Saul was the king, but God was making a change. He was, he was gonna demote a man and raise up a man. The problem was, by the time God demoted and raised up was a lot of years. And that's a scary place when you have a promise or a prophecy. How many of you have had a prophecy of your life by some good, well-meaning Christian brother or sister and they spoke directly over and it bared witness with you and you're going, ooh, God, that's it right there. And then you had to walk away going, no, when is that gonna happen? And nobody can tell you when. But they can tell you what. God said. God said this is gonna happen. God said that's gonna happen. But between the time God said it to you and the time it comes out to play in your life, there is some moments that go by that require two things. God is good, and you can trust him, right? David had to go back out after getting anointed king from the oil being poured on his head all the way down to his feet, going, I'm the man, I'm the guy. I'm going to be the next king of Israel. And they said, go back out with the sheep. David had to go back out into the field to do exactly what he was called to do during that season, even though he knew there was more for his life. God had anointed him and called him to great things but he never got to walk into those great things at that moment. Oh, it's frustrating to know there's a call in your life. It's frustrating to know there's promises of God in your life, but what you're experiencing is different than Jesus paid it all. David's back out in the desert. David now comes, gets called by his dad to go because Goliath is taunting the entire country of Israel. He's fighting him, he's taunting him. 40 days and 40 nights, he's just taunting him. Finally, David gets called out from the field and says, by, by his dad, Jesse, and says, listen, I want you to go check on my boys. They're in the army of Israel. I need to go check on them and take them some food when you go. David goes on his journey to go check on his brothers. As he gets there, remember, he was already anointed king back on the field, but he wasn't king. Saul was king. The battle was already raging. Goliath was taunting him. The giant was looking at him in their face. Here comes David carrying some food, checking on his brothers. His brothers look at him and say, what are you doing here? And David's going, why are you all afraid of this big guy over here, this big giant? Who, who is, who does he think he is? He's an uncircumcised Philistine. He's, he's a guy that's done and have a covenant with God. They, they're not God's people. Why are you afraid of them? Have you lost and forgot that God is good and you can trust him even when you can't see him? And the guys are looking at him going, whoa, who do you think you are, you haughty little young? They're already mad at him because he was anointed king over them. Right? They, Samuel passed by them with the oil and it got to David. So David comes into that setting and he says, I'll take this. Saul goes, well, come on. 
David takes the, you know the story well, David takes the stone, hits Goliath in the head, knocks him down, but the stone didn't kill him. The stone just knocked him down. David took the sword of the enemy, of the, the giant, and cuts off the head of the giant. David killed the Goliath with his own sword. Why is that? Because God is good, and you can trust him. You can trust him. How, do you, how, does that, how, how does that work? Because the enemy that's trying to take you out is gonna be the very tool that you think will take you out will be the very tool that will take you in. The thing the enemy is trying to bring against you now will be the very thing that God used. The thing the enemy thinks is gonna demote you and take you out of, this, take you out of life and out of living is gonna be the very tool that God will use to promote you. If that's not the case, then the cross wouldn't be the case. The enemy thought the cross was his victory. But Jesus used the cross for his victory. What you think is gonna knock you down is gonna be the very thing that propels you to the next season. David kills Goliath, takes the head, takes the sword, comes back. Now he thought he was gonna be a hero with Saul. Why wouldn't Saul love him? All of a sudden Saul says, this is incredible. Great things are happening, David. You're a guy, I need you to stay with me. Finds out that Saul, David can even play the harp and plays musical instruments and he begins to play the stringed instruments and, and, and when, when that happened, Saul, when the enemy would bring uh, would, would be evil spirits around Saul, David would play worship music and all of a sudden, the spirits would, evil spirits would leave. And Saul became close to David and loved him. David became real close to Saul's son named Jonathan. They became like brothers. The problem was the people began to see David as the man. Saul's insecurities begin to rise up inside of him and begin to say, something's not right here. The people begin to sing songs that said, David killed, Saul killed a thousand, but David killed ten thousands. All of a sudden, Saul began to go, wait a minute, I'm the king. I'm the guy. There can't be another guy. I gotta be the guy. David was being promoted right in the midst. So God was, listen to me, God was setting up battle after battle for David platform after platform for David to, for the enemy to look like he was gonna take him out. But really it was God bringing David on the scene. When God begins to bring you up on the scene and show you your next level of promotion, I promise you, the enemy will try to come in and try to take you down, distract you, get you thrown off, get you insecure, get you running and fleeing. Here's what began to happen. Now it happened when Saul had returned from, from following the Philistines that it was told saying, him saying, take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedei. And here's what was happening. David started running for his life. And as David started running for his life, God began to draw people to David that were just like him. David became an outlaw because he began to run. He was on the run. And guess who David met when he was on the run? Other outlaws people that were in sync with him, that fought like him, that fought like him, that ran like him, that were in cadence with him, that were in stride with him. And David began to pull him, pull him. He wasn't looking for him, they were coming to him. And all of a sudden, David found himself, listen to this, in new relationships as he was running away, what looked like running away from his destiny. Sometimes, circumstances close doors in one place and open them up in another. You have to follow the doors that are open. And through the doors that you go through that are open will be the relationships you need that set you up for the season that you're in. 
Don't be so concerned when a door is open to try to go back through a closed door to keep relationships back here. Don't worry about all the doors. You cannot miss an open door to try to force a closed door open. Why? Most people do this. Well, I like them, they like me. I want to be a people pleaser. If you're a people pleaser, it's going to be a big sidetrack for you. If you're always worried about what people think about you, you're going to be the kind of person that's going to constantly be going, oh, I need to go back through that door. And you're going to have your back to the open door and your face to the, open, the, front, the closed door. David didn't do that. David ran for his life. And all these men were here, about 600 of them. He gathered together. They were in debt. They were broken. They were busted. They were mean. They were outlaws. They were guys that were outcasts. But David began to lead them. And David had his own pact, had his own army. He went from the sheep on the backside of the, the field in the desert to taking out Goliath to now close to the king. The king gets jealous. David's on the run. And David starts meeting new friends. And all of a sudden, a whole new army of people are gathered up over here. You following me? Here he goes. Saul says, I'm gonna kill David. I'm on after him. Jealousy rose up in Saul. Anger rose up in Saul. The very one, and David's heart was innocent and pure, but Saul, his insecurities were coming after him. Why? Because God, the enemy was gonna use Saul to put David in the right position for his promotion. David wouldn't have went there on his own. So God had to allow the enemy to raise up a man named Saul to put David in the right position. What's this? Next verse. Saul gathered 3,000 men. When the word came to Saul that said, David's in the cave. We know he's over here in, in Gadai. This is where he's at. David had 600 busted men with him. 600, his own confidants, his own people that were outlaws. David had 600. Saul gathers 3,000 people. 3,000 people. He gathers them together. 3,000 men chosen, not just men, but chosen men of Israel, and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road. It was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. He had to use a bathroom. I like how the King James says to attend to his needs. He had to go to the bathroom. See, if you read the Message Bible, that's what it would have said. But you King James people. So he went in to attend to his needs. No, he had to use a bathroom. So David and his men, what Saul didn't know, was already in the cave, in the back of the cave. Watch this. He was in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, look, this is it. David, God has set this up. This is the day of which the Lord has said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off, oh, the corner of Saul's robe. Now, let me stop right there for a minute. David had men in his ear over here because it looked like this is the Lord. This is God. I want you to picture this. David is running from Saul with 600 guys. David runs into a cave, hiding, thinking, oh, God, here he goes. He's coming after us. If he cries, he's gonna kill us. Saul's gotta use the bathroom. Saul, God interrupted Saul's moment that he had to go. So Saul leaves his 3,000 men right by the cave. Saul goes in the cave, into where David is, takes off his robe, takes off his shield, because he ain't gonna use the restroom and all that stuff. 
makes himself vulnerable and don't even know the very one that he's looking for is in the recesses of the cave. Now, wouldn't it look like to you that David is back here with his men and here's what his men begin to say. David, everything you've been telling us about God is here. This is your day. This is your promotion. This is it. David, don't you remember? Man, you were back over here on the, the you had to go back to the field. David, this is it. You killed Goliath, man. He ought to be thankful for what you've done for him. But no, he's looking for you. David, God is handing him. You gotta be careful. You better be sensitive and you better have discernment. David's over here listening to the voices that look obvious. And sometimes the obvious isn't the voice of God. You better know God's ways and his actions and not just his actions. Here's what David did. Yeah, you're right, man, you're right. He picks up his, 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 his sword. Saul, doing his business. David comes up and cuts the skirt, takes back off into the recesses of the cave. Let's keep reading. Now it happened afterward that David's heart was troubled because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to this man, his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my man. No, the men, you know he came back with a skirt and you know what those guys had to say? You all have these friends, I have these friends. Sometimes we're those friends. We're going, get rid of her, get rid of him. Quit that job, stop that, you're crazy. It's obvious what the Lord's doing. How much more are you gonna take? How much more are you gonna put up with? What are you doing? And you got all this great counsel that's coming over from your guys that really care about you, but really they don't like being in the cave either, right? They don't like you seeing you run. Sometimes people can be so close to you that they can abort your cross experience instead of letting you experience the death of the cross. Don't be a friend to somebody that tells them to take the easy way out. And don't let somebody be the ear in your ear telling you to take the easy way out too. Because the easy way out is not always the Lord. You better know the easy way out. You better know the right way out. You, you better know if it's the hard way out. You gotta know. Nobody's gonna know like you know. But David, I see you being mistreated over here, man. It's, how much longer are you gonna take? How much longer can you go? David's going, I gotta know that I know that I know. That prophecy wasn't for those 600 guys. That prophecy was for David. Amen. And David had to know for himself. Are you following me? Yeah. David comes out, he starts recognizing his head. Something is not right. What was I thinking? He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. He's the Lord's anointed. Let's stop right there for a minute. Just kings of nations are not just the Lord's anointed. The Lord's anointed is anyone that the Lord resides in and died for. You better be careful Amen. cutting Amen. on the Lord's anointed because you got a prophecy on your life. You got a promise on your life. Because even the Lord's anointed don't always act like the Lord's anointed. And it doesn't give you the right 
to go act like the Lord's not the one like they are. You don't fight evil with evil, you overcome evil with good. Tracking? You following me? David got convicted in his heart and said, no, 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 I can't touch that man, that's the Lord's anointed. Because here, David was smart enough to know is I reap what I sow. If I get it that way, I could lose it that way. If I get my promotion by stepping on everybody around me, there's a good chance I'm gonna get stepped on when I get there. If I cut the legs out from underneath somebody to get where I'm going, I might be having my legs cut out from underneath me. If I talk about somebody over here that's living a long, wrong life, there's probably a good chance somebody's gonna be talking about me because you do reap what you sow. Amen. And David said, uh-uh, I'm not falling for that. He cut the skirt, when he cut the skirt, he got convicted in his heart, and the guys had to be saying, David, you could have killed him. It was over. We could have taken this thing and it's been done, but you wouldn't do it. Why wouldn't you do it? Because David is saying, there's more to being king than being able to use the sword, because my character is greater than my sword. Who I am is greater than my sword. My honor to him is greater than my sword. My honor to the Lord is greater than my sword. I can take him out, but there's something inside of me that says, I can't get it that way. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is, the anointed, he is the anointed of the Lord. Next verse. So David restrained his servants with these words, because they were ready to come out of the cave. I want you to think about it. They're afraid. There's 600 people in this cave, 3,000 outside the cave. David could have killed him and it would have all been over, right? Because they were afraid, David had to say, I'm gonna make this decision based on me and my relationship with the Lord. Sometimes when you go look at the people that are held captive, let me break it down for you. Your family is here and they're hiding in the cave with you because you let them there and things aren't going the way you thought they should go. And you're going, dear God, I thought that was the job, but it's not the job. Financially, things are falling apart. Health are falling apart. Relationally, things are falling apart. And you find yourself in the cave, and your kids and your wife and your husband or whoever is going, come on, come on, come on, get us out of here, get us out. You had an opportunity, you had an opportunity. And if you're not led by the Spirit, you'll take the easy way out. Or you'll do anything you can to relieve the pressure and the pain because you see the pressure and the pain in their heart. But you've got to rise above the pressure and the pain, and their pressure and the pain. Because if you don't rise above it, you'll get a temporary fix that will only get you a temporary result, and you'll forfeit the long-term effect of being risen and promoted by the Lord. Don't just panic and make quick decisions out here. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, I can't take it anymore. She's pulling on me, he's pulling on me. I gotta do my kids, I gotta get a job, I gotta do the, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. And before you know it, you're going, oh God. And you start making decisions out of reaction of what they feel. And when you make reaction decisions out of what they feel, you gotta still fight for yourself. It's gotta come from here. It's gotta come from here. So David restrained the servants. You have to look at them. Sometimes you gotta look at people in your family and your friends, your coworkers, and you gotta look at them and say, that's not gonna work. I hear you, but I can't do that. And if they still cry and complain and start turning on you, which these guys had an account to do occasionally, you have to look at them sometimes and say, the anointed words that are in the Bible, all through the Bible, they're just not put together this way. You have to look at them and say, shut up. Be quiet. Stop. 
Because if I listen to you, I'll react and get us in a deeper mess, in a deeper recess of the cave that I'm already in. I've gotta hear from the Lord for myself. And what I think David said, that's probably not written in this version, I think David looked back at him and said, where were you when I was on the backside of the desert? You weren't there. I wasn't looking for it when he found me. He called me in the house, they poured oil on my head. I didn't look for it, I wasn't asking for it. I didn't know how to get it. I was man of my own business, bringing food to my brothers and found myself in a fight with Goliath, took his head off. Next thing you know, I'm promoted playing music for Saul. I don't know how it happened, I wasn't looking for it. And now all of a sudden, I gotta be responsible for the decisions I make now. Now all of a sudden, God brought me all the way to here, he led me to here, and now I feel responsible to finish it the rest of the way. No, he that began a good work will finish the work. He looks over his word to perform it. He said he would never let his word come back to him void. It has to accomplish what he sent it to accomplish. If those two things are in here, David had to be going, oh my God, number one, God is good. And I trust him. Guys, be quiet. That's not how this is going down. So David restrained himself and his service with, the, with that word and didn't allow them to rise against Saul. They were gonna take Saul out himself. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterwards. David then comes out of the cave and he yells at Saul and he says, Saul, my Lord, the king, what reverence and respect. Saul was trying to kill him. How many of you would look at the, would you look at your ex-wife? Would you look at your ex-husband? Would you look at your ex-boss? Would you look at that person in ministry that betrayed you? Would you look at that person, would you? And look at him and give him respect? Or would you just roll your eyes? Or do you know their character so well that they don't deserve your respect? Saul didn't deserve David's respect either, but David was respecting God in Saul. And sometimes you gotta look at God's people, even when they don't act like God's people, and give them the respect that they deserve. So, let me just get real for a minute. That's 1201, I got a lot of time. So when you're talking to your kids about your ex and their mother or their father, it's his anointed. Don't shape them to come after them, her with or him with the sword. Don't pit one against it. Oh, I'm getting real meddling now. It's not even in the Bible, I don't think. It's, you don't pit them against each other. You build them up, but they don't give me anything to build them up over. He didn't either. He was trying to kill him. You're not doing it unto him, you're doing it unto the Lord. Because your standard is higher. Because you don't want to reap what you sow. Not that way. Are you following me? Yeah. You don't get three coworkers over here talking about the boss, if you're one of the coworkers. And you're talking about the boss. And he could be ignorant, or even st stupid. Wrong guy for the job. It's not, we don't want he is, don't even know what he is doing over there. That's not the place. Amen. It's not the place. Why? You're doing it under the Lord. Your audience is not him and your audience is not them. Your audience is God. That's who you're living in front of. Your relationship and accountability is to God first and then them. He called him the Lord. My Lord is the king. And when Saul looked behind him, watch this. And David could have killed him again. 
David stooped with his face to the earth, bowed to the ground and give honor and respect to the man that was trying to kill him. And this is what Saul says. First of all, David said unto Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? Verse 10. Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you, King Saul, into my hand in this cave. And someone urged me to kill you. It wasn't someone, it was 600 men in that cave. But my eye spares you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. I'm teaching you a principle here this morning. Because promotion is to come into the church, to come into your life. I like this song, go ahead and let it play. <laughs> Promotions come into your life and come into the church, and here's what begins to happen. You'll be tempted to hold yourself back with your own self. And God begins to just stair-step you and begin to, you begin to elevate and go into another level. And we can sing about it all day long, going to another level, going higher, yeah, that's all. But you better have the character to sustain every step on that ladder. Because if you don't, you'll self-sabotage You'll cut your own legs out from underneath you. Your immaturity will rise up inside of you and you won't be able to handle and sustain the successes that God has for you. Let's keep reading. Moreover, my father, David said, see, yes, see the corner of your robe? It's in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and I didn't kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil no rebellion in my hand. Even though you're listening to people that tell you that. You've got people in your ear telling you stuff that's wrong. They're gossiping, gossiping about me. And, 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 and I'm not talking about you, but you're talking about me. They painted pictures of you in your mind and they're about me, but I'm not painting pictures of their mind about you. That's not how this works, Saul. This is why you're being demoted, Saul. This is why this is happening to you. It's because you're so frustrated with the system that you're stuck in and you're so aggravated at it because the system is wrong, but if you don't know how to handle right in a wrong system, you'll get demoted rather than promoted. I cut it off, and I didn't kill you. No one see there's no neither evil or rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, but yet you still want to take my life. Look at this. Saul... David says this, Lord, let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. you listen, hear what I'm saying, because promotion is of the Lord. Promotion comes from the north, and I see it's, it's promotion in your life. Promotion. I sense it. I sense levels increasing fast. And I want to show you how to sustain at that next level. The new relationship comes. A, a, a new wife or a new husband or a new uh, job or a new or kids come back into your life or, or a success starts to happen. And here's how this all works. David says, my hand will not come against you. 
It won't. You can take me out all you want to. You can talk about me. You can have say evil things about me. Everybody. I just know that I'm not going to respond out of what you're doing to me. I'm going to live out of here. Let the Lord judge between me and you. Look what Saul says. As the proverb of ancient says, wickedness proceeds from, the, from, from wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. Next verse. And whom the, has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog, a flea. Therefore, let the, the Lord judge, be, ju- be judge, and judge between you and me, and see, and plead my case, and deliver me out of your hand. So it was, when David was finished speaking, Saul said, is this your voice? Look, my son, David, trying to kill him. And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. The spirit of conviction came upon him. Then he said to David, Who? what's this? You want to put unrighteous and goofy, weird, mean-spirited people that can't handle control and handle promotion and handle, you want to put them in their place? It's not eye for eye or a tooth for tooth. You don't get even with them by just getting in their face and telling them what what you want to tell them. When your heart is right and your posture is right with the Lord, the Lord begins to do the work for you. As David began in humility talking to Saul, Saul started realizing just how bad he was on the inside. He says, you're more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me. David, you have shown how you deal with adversity. I've shown you how I deal with adversity. I get jealous and I come after you. I say things I shouldn't say. I get pictures in my mind, I wanna retaliate. I wanna fight back. I wanna, I wanna come at you. I wanna, I wanna, we gotta get this thing on. I'm not gonna lay down. I'm not gonna lay down for anybody. That's how I do it, David, but I see how you do it, David. You get humble. I try to go up, but you go down. I try to rise above it and come at you, but you come to the earth and put your face down. David, humility has turned, done something to me. I see how humble you are. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not touch me. You didn't even kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, we let him get away safely. Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established. What? In your hand. Saul poured the oil on his head. He had to go back to the field. He comes to Goliath, kills Goliath, and has to start running from his life, for his life from the guy that's the king. The king is jealous of him. David's running. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. And finally, David's enemy, the king, speaks and reaffirms a prophecy that Samuel gave him several years earlier. Your enemy will begin to speak. Your promises. If you can handle the process of your promotion. Do you have the character for it? Here's the hardest part of this story. There's seven more chapters 
before Saul actually dies. And then David becomes king. His enemy said, you're the king. You're the man. Israel will be established in your hand. Can you, I imagine David went, it's about time. It is about time. Some, I'm glad some, see guys, come on out of the cave. He's, call, he's, he's handing over to the throne. I'll take the crown now, Dad. No, 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 no. It didn't happen that way. He declared it, and for the next seven chapters, David's still on the run, fighting wars, fighting people, all the while while God was building more character in David. And David was passing one test after another. Sometimes he would fail a test, but other times he would pass it. Then it fail another test, and he would pass it all the way to the journey till seven chapters later, David stands before the king. And he gets, they find out that Saul is dead, and they declare David as king. Seven chapters later, here's the beautiful part about it. The person that came and told David that they had killed Saul and put him out of his misery and were championing the victory, thinking David would be excited, David had killed because the same David, the same guy that had the character in the cave was the same guy that had the character. He said, you killed God's anointed you touched God's man. You touched something that God had put in place. Oh, and David said, I don't want it that way. We don't take somebody out to get what we want. We let God promote us. Seven chapters later, David's fighting. And the same guys that were in that cave are the same guys that were fighting with him in a city called Ziklag. And David had lost it all. His family, his wives, his kids were all, his spoil, everything was in turmoil back in the, day, in the, in the camp because the Amalekites come and took it all. So here's David. And David had to fight one more time, tired, weary, worn completely to the bone, but he never moved off of his character and his promise that God had given him. Amen. Question is, for us. And I'm prophesying to you this morning that promotion is coming to your house. And when I say promotion, it's not just the job. It's just not money. It's not those, just those things. It is, promotion is an, another level of, of responsibility, of joy that you get in family, in relationships, in finances, in health. And you just, you just experience another realm of life and, and, and the good life, what all that means to you, peace, joy, righteousness, all those things, you just feel it in that next realm. And God is trying to get you to that next place. And, and you've learned to live. Listen to what I'm telling you this morning. You've learned to live with such pain and hurt that that'll never change. And God is going to your treasure chests and in your treasure chests are things that you have placed there that you said will never, ever be a different. She'll never change. He'll never change. That body will never get healed. I'll never have somebody in my life. That financial situation, I'll never be able to get over it. I'll never get past the pain of that bad decision I made past it. I'll never have, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. And you put these in these treasure chests and God says, you've kept them close to you because that's where you live. And the Lord says, I'm opening up those chests. And I'm bringing those things out because I want to promote you and take you to another level of life 
that you don't even have enough understanding to have you think what it looks like or experience it. He says, look at your best days in your, la- in your past, and the best days are still yet to come. You thought you had joy at one time. All oh, the joy that I'm sending you doesn't even compare to what you've had, what's, what's coming your way. The, the relationships, the peace, the pe- all of that. And the Lord says two things. As you go from where you are right now, and you think your best days are behind you, where you are right now and to where I'm taking you in your life, I'm gonna ask you to do two things, the Lord says. Two, two. I need you to always remember that I'm good. Even when you feel like running in a cave, even when you got your back against the wall and you wanna come out fighting and swinging and you have every right to do it because they've done you wrong. She's talking about you. She's made you look bad for the, for the kids. He, the, the boss has talked down to you. He, he don't understand what you're up against. He says, do more with less resources. I, all that stuff, and you're going, I, can't, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. No, the bottom line is, what's inside of you? God is good. God is good, and I can trust him. I can trust him even when they're squashing me. I can trust him when they're crushing me. I can trust him when things are going to falling apart. When she turns on me, when he turns on me, when he says something bad about me, or when they're falling apart all around me, they feel like it's crumbling, I can still trust him. If what he did for David with the sheep come in the house, Samuel anoints him with oil, and then he sends him back out there, you can certainly wait six weeks, six months, six years to see yours come to pass. But I'm not getting younger. I mean, it's gotta happen fast. And I really believe the Lord's doing things exponentially anyway and fast, accelerating time. I feel like he's doing that. But listen, if he's gonna accelerate time, we're gonna have to accelerate character. I had a conversation a few weeks ago with some people and I'm gonna be honest with you. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and it's still in my heart because in the conversation we were talking about, the person said, man, what we need in the church world is we just need a good dose of the Holy Ghost. We just need, I'm telling you, we just need the outpouring of God. And I, I said, man, we do. He said, that's what our kids need. They wouldn't be so rebellious if they had an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I said, well, you know, I... I, I kind of tend to agree with you there a little bit. I said, problem is though, is it didn't help their parents. I said, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? I said, do you think those kids just all of a sudden became rebellious? No. They become rebellious? They weren't just bad seed. Because when the Lord plants seed, Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of Lights. That's every child. Amen. Every child's born a genius. Just a matter what we do with them when they come out of that womb. I said, no, no, we don't need a, just a, we need a, we, need a we, we just need an outpouring, man. We need, I'm telling you, we need an outpouring. I said, let's suppose we have an outpouring. Let's say it just comes and, oh my God, and people can't even get up from the altar. They gotta go to work tomorrow. They gotta go raise that kid tomorrow. They gotta go pay those bills and they gotta invest in retirement. They've they've gotta live life tomorrow. And if all they get is an experience, 
without knowing how to walk it out in life. We just have to live one experience to the next. And we have that in some marriages today. Some marriages have to have, they have a honeymoon and they can't wait till the next time they go out for, a, for another honeymoon because they don't know how to live from honeymoon to honeymoon. If I can just get her away this weekend. If I get her away this weekend, everything's gonna be good. She, we just need to get away. Yeah, you need to get away, but you need to learn how to live Monday through Saturday too. Amen. Okay? I'm gonna have to close or you're gonna start throwing stuff at me. I, I feel this in my heart because I wanna prepare us. The Lord is promoting you. You hear what I'm trying to say? There's good things that he's got for you in your life and you're on the threshold of experiencing those things. Don't talk yourself out of what God's bringing you into you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you've endured and you've endured and you endured and now you're here. So don't, don't look at your boss as the enemy. Your ex is not the enemy. Your husband's not the enemy. Your current spouse is not the enemy. Your kids are not the enemy. Those are the blessings of the Lord. Even though when they don't act like the blessings of the Lord, you're still saying he's good and you can trust him. Even when you don't see it happening in your time, in your moment, in your space, you don't see it, he's still good and you can trust him. Good things are coming to your life. Good things already have come to your life and even better things are coming to you. I was talking to a guy that owns a business and about three years ago, he, his business was just busting at the seams. Big construction company, just growing. He came to me and goes, man, I need, I, gotta, I, I need a guy that can run this thing. I need, I need a big foreman. I need a, I need a guy that can just do it. So we prayed and we prayed. And I, and I just felt led to ask him what I said, well, if you, God sends you one, do you know what to do with him? He said, you better believe I do. I said, this is great. So we prayed, God sent him one. And the guy lasted about six weeks and quit. So he calls me back on the phone. He goes, man, I gotta pray. That one didn't work out. And I went, wait a minute. That guy had a resume a mile long. It looked perfect. Why couldn't he work for you? And he said, well, you know what? He just didn't like me breathing down his neck. I said, well, as your pastor, you're breathing about neck, about now my neck, want me to pray for somebody. I'm not, don't breathe down my neck either. Amen. I'm not praying for you anymore to get another guy until you can handle the ones you got. He went, you're not gonna pray? I said, no, I'm not praying. Why am I gonna pray somebody into that place? You can't handle them. I said, won't you come in here and let us just talk about this? He came in the office. This is true, come in the office. We talked about it. I didn't need to do the talking. I just let him do the talking. He talked to himself of all the reasons why that guy left. And I'm telling you, I'd have left, lasted, he lasted a lot longer than I would have. And I said, my God, you're breathing down the guy's neck. Let the guy do his job. And he's talking himself right into this. He says, I need to call him back, don't I? I said, yes, you do. And you need to pay him more money. You weren't paying him enough. He said, man, I can't do that. I said, look, look what you're doing. Yeah, he's worth it. He's valuable. If you don't see him valuable, he won't stay. I said, build that guy. Call him. Get him back, promote him. So he calls him and promotes him. He's still with him today and they're doing extremely well. And he had to humble himself. Cause see, he was the guy over here thinking, cause see what happened, this, this superstar comes in the business. And it was almost a David and Saul story. Cause the employees started going to this guy. Cause Saul killed a thousand, but David killed 10,000. This guy was the guy making decisions. Now everybody going to this guy. And this guy's insecurities rose up. Oh, I'm talking to somebody today. Insecurity rose up, because you gotta be the guy. You gotta be the one. That's not how this works. 
That's why Jesus had to go away so the 12 could be the guy. Jesus wasn't one of those guys, I can't, Father, I can anyway, can this cut past any other way? Because I really enjoy all these people coming to me. No. Gotta go. Why? So you can be the guy. Amen. Promotion is coming to your house. The question is gonna be, and I believe you can, do you have the character and the fortitude to weather the process and let God promote you? Would you stand with me? Did this help anybody today? It's helped me. The Lord's moving in the lives of these people. It's just incredible to see what he's doing. I've never seen so many people getting restored back to the Lord like I'm seeing right now. I mean, I'm seeing it. I'm watching people. I was driving down Adams Avenue yesterday and uh, day before yesterday. I was driving down Adams Avenue and I saw a guy standing out there and there was probably five or six people that looked like they maybe were homeless or, you know, sojourning, traveling to the next place. And uh, I saw somebody out there just stopping. They were all gathered in a circle. They were just praying together. And I thought to myself, you know, if you're not careful and you, you get jaded in the society today and looking at people going, and roll your eyes going, my God, it's just, it's just everywhere you turn. And, but you also have to know, and it's like I told Caden that one day, at somebody's daughter, at somebody's son, it could be somebody's wife, somebody's mother, somebody's father, somebody's brother, somebody said, don't you ever dehumanize people. Don't you ever. That's what, see, that's what, Saul, that's what Saul was trying to do to David. And David would not do that to Saul. So the spirit of the thing is humility. And you value people, even the ones that are against you, even the ones that talk down to you, even the ones that try to come against you. You value them higher than they value themselves. hard, but it's right. And then when you do get thrust into that promotion and God brings you on the scene and takes you to that next level of life, you can honestly look and say, I didn't step on anybody to get here. I didn't kick anybody to the curb. And I'm here because it's the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in my eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person here today. I sense, Lord, in my heart that promotion is of you and you're, you're promoting, you're moving motion. You're moving these people and our people, your people. You're moving them into a place of blessing in their life. God, you're good. We trust you. And even though, Lord, some of these things have taken years to come to pass, people are still now ready to walk into it in a place they, they thought maybe, and, they, and they, they bury some of these things in, in, their, in their chests and you're bringing it out going, no, 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 I'm not gonna leave it in there right now because I want you to overcome that. Because when I, when I bring that person in your life, when I set you in that promotion on the job, when those kids do come back to home and you're back in their life and things are happening, I want you to be able to sustain it. I want you to be able to sustain it. I want your fruit to come and I want the fruit to remain. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. I bless every person here today. And as they walk out of these doors, Lord, let them feel and sense and know that you are good and they can trust you every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. We'll see you all Wednesday. See you next Sunday.